If Dave makes many more quips like that, I don't know. We've still got three weeks to go before we make the 30th wedding anniversary. <laughs> Do you know, it is a, it's a funny time of year, isn't it? Uh, well, it is for me. It's the, the coming towards the end of the, the summer holidays. And, and I'm a teacher, for those of you who don't know that. And so, like, probably this is my lowest moment of the year as... Um, and I, I like my job. There's no doubt about it. I like my job and I like teaching. But if I'm honest, I like the holidays better. <laughs> and um, and it's, been, it's been a good holiday. It has. It's been lovely. Um, many, many weddings this summer, haven't there? And people have got good exam results and the new jobs and moved house. And, and it's been a good holiday. And, um, and, and we're grateful. But... We can't live on holiday all the time, can we? And just over this, over these last few weeks, God's just um, just laid something on my heart. It's not a major theological point, but it's something I really want to share with us as we face September and and what lies ahead. You know, even if you've not been on holiday, even if you're not um, a teacher with these masses six-week holidays, the summer is a time when things seem to close down and then September things start to, to build up again. You know, there's more stuff coming on the television, new series. And, you know, it's, so just at the start of this September, just, so, I just want us to, to meditate on, on really what is it that we see. I don't know if um, it used to be a craze more in the 90s, but they are coming back a little bit more. You see them around. Have you ever seen these magic eye pictures? Okay, so this is a magic eye picture. To me, I see nothing. I see like a load of colours. There's nothing in there for me. I, I just don't see it, you know. Um, I've gazed at them. Apparently, they're harder to see on a screen, so don't worry. Um, but I've gazed at them. I've done what everybody says you should do. You should be able to see something in 3D there. Um, I hope it, if you are seeing it, it is okay to see in church on a Sunday morning yes um, but basically you should look through the image um, I mean I'm, I don't know why I'm telling you because I can't do it but anyhow the thing is you look through the image and what these hidden lines that look a bit higgledy-piddledy but they they aren't they're slight they're all slightly different and you get to see a stereo vision of something and you need a little bit of patience. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. That is a shark. Is there anybody who can see a shark there? Alan, that, did you see it before I said? No, I'm not doubting, but yes. <laughs> no, that is, no, that's amazing. I am so, honestly, I'm going to ha- ask you how to do it. Yes. I'm so, I'm really, really impressed, actually. I think that's... Um, I can't see it anyhow. But last time that we, you were together, we've been, we were away, Daniel spoke to us on Sunday morning about what it is that we speak. But today I do want us to think a little bit about, just for us to consider what it is that we see and what others see. So we're just focusing a little bit on our sight. 
So firstly, what is it that you see? Um, we've been away on holiday, Dave asked, and we, we've been away in Portugal for two weeks. Uh, we've just been back just over two weeks now. Every day of our two-week holiday, there was blue sky, a little bit like yesterday, wall-to-wall sun. We only saw a slight whisper of a cloud once. It was beautiful, beautiful village, beautiful beaches, friendly people, a little expensive with the Euro, but... And then we came home. So two weeks ago, we came home and we're back and we're here in Manchester. And it's not wall-to-wall sunshine and there aren't any beautiful beaches and we're happy. It's good to be back. It's good to be in Manchester. We love Manchester. But what is it that you see in this city? As you, because we're all of it, either you're visiting it or you live here or you're studying here or you just happen to be here, I don't know. But what do you see in this city? A city in Greater Manchester with a population of 2.8 million people. What do you see in this city where it's meant to be one of the wettest places in the country? But I do read that that isn't true. So, but that's its reputation. And to be fair, it is quite wet, whether it's the wettest places. It's, the weather's not great. Um, what do you see in this city where we've had two major terrorist attacks in the last 20 years, where homelessness is on the increase? where over half a million people are living in poverty, where it was voted in 2015, I believe, as the most livable city in the UK, where young professionals are flocking here, so it's not all doom and gloom, where the average age um, of the young professional, where the average, sorry, let me start again, young professionals are, uh, are flocking here, where big companies are relocating or at least opening up here, what do you see? What do you see in Manchester? But you see, what I've given you there are just a few facts, and you know you probably... I, I am a Mancunian, actually, born and bred. I've not just drifted up here or landed here because I happened to marry somebody, but I am from Manchester. <laughs> um, Dave's from Birmingham. <laughs> but anyhow, that's another story. But what do you see? What do you see? What do we see as Christians? You know, Paul said um, in Ephesians 1 verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people. You see, not only as Christians do we see with our eyes and do we see with the, the things that are around us, but we see with the eyes of our heart, don't we? We see with the Holy Spirit living in us we see 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 we read fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal so whatever the news whatever the statistics tell us whatever we see clearly with our own eyes we as the people of God know that God's kingdom is here in Manchester right now and we are ambassadors of his rule and reign 
on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus prayed. So what do you see? You know, God loves cities. He loves Manchester because he loves people. And cities are full of people. If you, do you see a city? You see people, people everywhere, don't you? People, do you see this city full of people transformed by the love of God? Do you see streets filled with peace and joy? Do you see hope abounding? Look beyond the present reality. Do you see God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Zechariah 8 verse 5. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. At play, Do you see it? Do you see it for our city? Do you see it for your neighbourhood? What is it that you see? You know, in going through the Bible, and we've gone through the whole of the Old Testament now, um, and next week we're going to start with the New Testament, looking at the Gospels. But do you remember in... in One of the preachers, we learnt about the story of Elisha in 2 Kings 6, verse 13 to 16. And we're not going to read it now, but in this story, um, the king of Syria sent a great army and chariots to get Elijah. And they surround this small town of Dothan and the the chariots were surrounding. And Elijah's servant got up one day and he saw the danger that was all around him. He saw the reality that was all around him. And he cries out, oh my Lord, what shall we do? What's he seeing? Just like those of us who couldn't see the shark this morning which is everybody except Alan, Um, he saw the confusion, the turmoil, the mess. He saw a great hostile army out there to get him. And he cried to Elisha. But Elisha saw things differently. He sees something differently. He, like Alan, saw through those repetitive lines and shapes of the chariots and soldiers. He saw a beautiful vision. And he prayed that the servant's eyes would be opened and that he may see, and his prayer was answered. And the servant saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And everything ended up fine. You can read the story uh, for yourselves. But everything turned up good because of what he saw. So I guess what I'm asking us this morning is, What do we see? What do we have a vision for? Do we really see heaven coming to earth here in our lives, in our city? Um, We've enjoyed visiting different people over the summer uh, in their homes. And and, um, a couple of weeks ago, we went to see Tundi and Makonge. Tundi is here somewhere. Yes, he's there. And um, they've moved house. They've got their first house together. And I'm really, really happy for them. So excited. It was, it was lovely to go and see them. Uh, the first home that they've bought together. So they've moved from a flat in the city centre out into suburbia in Sale. Sainsbury's on hand, like right next door, heaven. Um, and am I excited? Am I excited because they've got Sainsbury's right there next to them? Am I excited for them? Because I am. I'm so excited because is it the most luxurious house ever? Well, 
I have checked this with Tony, but not being rude, um, it's got a way to go yet. Um, but I am excited for them because I see it. You see, if there's one thing I do in the summer holidays, well, I do many things, but I do like Homes Under the Hammer. How many people watch Homes Under the Hammer? Confess. Go on, it's... <laughs> I love Homes Under the Hammer. For people who don't watch Homes Under the Hammer, this is where you go to an auction and you bid for a house and you get a house and it's often a, needs a little bit of work doing to it. You do the work to it, you sell the house, you make money or you rent it out. And, and the happy stories often. And because I watch Homes Under the Hammer, I didn't see Tundi McConaughey's house through the reality. I saw it through the lens of Homes Under the Hammer and I was excited for them. I subscribe, or Dave treated me to a subscription of Home Beautiful. It's a magazine, um, and it helps your vision. So I saw it through that lens too, and I saw what it could be. And I looked beyond the dated decor, and I looked beyond the green bathroom suite and the lively carpet, and I saw, and it is a beautiful home. There was a real peace there, and when Dave and I walked away, we just said it was just such, there's lots of work to be done, but there was such a peace there. But I saw beyond that, and I'm excited for them. So what is it that you see with the eyes of your spirit? What do you see for your life? What do you see for your street? What do you see for your workplace, your home, your university, your block of flats, wherever it is? Can we see beyond the present reality? Do we have a vision? Or does your life feel mundane with lots of repetitiveness? Proverbs 29 verse 18. Where there's no vision, the people perish. There's something to be seen. You know, for some of us, um, after the summer, there's new starts, there's new jobs, new homes, uh, new universities, and have the students coming here. Do you have a vision? Do you have a vision? Vision is what gives you life direction. You no know vision, and you start to feel no energy. You feel tired all the time. Find work or even just living a hard slog. But vision can turn your life into a high energy, passionate, and you can become a lover of life. It's possible for us to have a big vision in whatever we're doing, wherever we are. We're filled, we read in Micah 3 verse 8, that we're filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord. Vision is what we see but it's also the way we act with what we see. I believe with vision for where we are, for our workplaces, our, our neighbourhoods, with vision, we're going to see lives transform. We're going to see places change. We're going to see um, neighbourhoods transform. We're gonna, it's it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. My prayer for all of us this morning is that as we hunger after God... You know, as the psalmist writes, David's right, Psalm 42, verse 1, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, O God, you are my God. I earnestly seek, search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land. I pray that as we hunger and thirst after God, that our vision is renewed and that we see our city with the eyes of our heart. So what about Manchester? What about your street, where you live? Do you see that God has placed 
you there? Do you see that God loves not just you, but everyone in your street, everyone in your university hall, everyone in your block of flats, everyone in your house? And he wants them to see something in you. He wants them to see a stereo picture of his goodness through the daily routine, the lines of your life. So my other question to you is, not only what do you see, but what do others see in you? You know, it's been... It's been exciting last weekend uh, with Extreme Love and we've been encouraged and, and challenged many of us, I think, on sharing our faith, sharing the gospel um, with, with strangers, with people in, in the street. And it has been, it's not the easiest thing. Some people seem to find it easier. And I, I don't find it easier, I've got to say. And, and it has been a challenge to me. We went over some of us um, as well in the summer to Jesus Loves in Liverpool and, and part of that uh, was an outreach in, into the city centre and, and for me it, it was a little bit of a hill well it was more like a mountain to climb to actually start to talk to strangers about Jesus and it, was, it wasn't easy but it was good it was good when you do it, it's good it's like, um, yeah, it's like you jump and and, and it, it works and it's good. But what I want to talk to us this morning is not just about talking to strangers. It's not just about reaching out as maybe to somebody as you're passing them in the street or, or whatever. But I want us to realise, as we've sung this morning, about the very power of our lives. You know, we've, talk, we've sung about the power of Jesus and power in the name of Jesus. But with Jesus living in us, we are a powerful people. And we are powerful people living across this city. We are powerful people living in neighbourhoods, working in workplaces that can and will be transformed by the love of God because we are carriers of the presence of God. It's not something that I have to build myself up to because if I'm honest, I had to build up to talking to people about Jesus perfect strangers in the street I had to like yeah I'm going to do it I'm going to do it and I did it and it was good so and we do have to do that but what I'm talking about this is our very being this is our 24 7 that we are carriers of the presence and that those people around us see that we have and that there is something different about us and because of that their lives will be transformed What do others see? We're all influencers. How much do we influence others? You know, this morning, it's, you know, just as coming into King's house and just as you smile at somebody or you greet somebody or even as you're worshipping God and you're lifting your hand, you've set the tone of this auditorium. You know, in the, um, at, at some point I, I popped out the toilet and, um, but it was good. Because I saw, just, just saw people just going to the back and just praying for power for one another as Dave asked us to pray for one another. And it was just, a, for me, I just thought that was a powerful moment um, and we're all part of it and we're, we're setting the tone, we're, we're influencing what's happening. You know, 
But we don't just influence King's House, do we? I want us to realize how powerful we are in our street, day by day, month by month, year by year. You know, the neighbors in your street, the colleagues at work are seeing us and who we are with the Holy Spirit. It's not saying we're going to live perfect lives. We're not going to be like, oh, you know, just like sailing through life with no problems and not getting frustrated at any time. No, we, we know and we're going to be real and that we do have situations and we're not, we, we do have situations to face like everybody else. But what I want us to realise is that we are carriers of the presence of God and however things go, people will see that there's something different in you. You know, we watched on Friday night, we'd recorded it, um, the documentary about, and I'd recommend you watch it, I do. It was a very good documentary about Manchester 100 days after the terrorist attack at the MEN, and um, at the arena. And it made me proud to be part of the city, just to see people's lives and, you know, just realise. But it also made me realise that we've got something to do in the city and one thing we can do is we can leave peace in the city. That as the people of God, we can we can set the tone of peace. You know, um, it has been a worrying time. You know, there have been terrorist attacks over the summer across, the, across Europe. Your neighbours can be worried about terrorist attacks. Let your peace rest on it just by your living with them. Neighbours are worried about, here this morning, about the, the, the missiles that, in North Korea. Let your peace rest on it. Neighbours worrying about Brexit the falling pound and the rising cost of living. Let your peace rest on it. Neighbours worrying about parking spaces in front of their houses. Let your peace rest on it. Neighbours worrying about noisy neighbours. Let your peace rest on it. You know, Matthew 10, verse 11 to 13, Jesus said, Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. Let your peace rest on your neighborhood. Let your peace rest in your workplace. You know, thermometers take a temperature reading. Thermostats set the temperature. We're thermostats, not thermometers. Set the atmosphere in your street, in your flat, in your school, in your office, wherever you are. Be a thermostat. As I said, we've just been on holiday, so I'll show you a holiday clip. Hopefully. It does, it does have relevance, but just humour me. <laughs> so this is a beach we went to, and this is Dave doing a video. Video of this crowded beach, which we found. Hey, what are you doing? Making a video. What do you want to say, Ben? Oh, he's going to kick the ball. Go on, kick the ball. Then. Kick the ball. Watch this kick. Where did it go? Lost it. Swim and get it, Ben. Swim and get it. Oh. Yes. Away from you. Come back! All is forgiven! Wait! Uh, yeah. Yikes, get my feet wet. 
to get there, that's why there's nobody else on the beach. Okay. Where are they all? Okay, we'll finish there. So, we went to the Algarve in Portugal. Now, in the Algarve in Portugal, it's warm, it's sunny, there's lots of beaches, and there are lots of people. And, um, and particularly because, obviously, I have to go in school holidays being a teacher. So, there were a lot of people. And we went on some beaches, and we were like, you know, like sardines, and you've got your, your private space, you know, your space around you, and then people come very, very close to you. And I have to say, I do like people. I am a bit of a people watcher on the beach. My family tell me to stop staring. I'm just watching. Um, I, I like being with people. But there's something quite special, isn't there? And Dave and I went for a walk one day when we were on one beach, and, and we found that beach that you saw on the video. And... Um, it, it was, yeah, it was deserted, and we did find a way down, and other people do, did come on it in the end. Um, it's just that we go to the beach quite early in the morning. But there was something special about it. There was something really, really special about it. It was lovely, a lovely, lovely place to be. And so one morning we set off, and we, we were going to the beach, as we do, and um, it was a bit of a rocky road to get there, and we got there, and things didn't seem quite right on our, our beach, I call it our beach now, um, and, um, and, and there were people on our beach, people who'd slept on our beach, there'd been a bit of a party on our beach. So we, normally we get there and it's like it was quiet and calm, nobody there, and suddenly there were people who camped on our beach, there were beer bottles all around, and we were horrified, but we weren't deterred. And so we went down the cliff, as we always do, we put our towels out in our spot on our beach, and with these people all sleeping around us, and... Um, the atmosphere wasn't quite the, the same. But do you know what? They packed up, which we didn't, they were, they were quite calm, and, and they packed up and they cleared up their rubbish and they left us to our beach. And the atmosphere changed again. And so what am I saying on this? It's like just showing you my holiday videos and, and that. What am I saying? I'm saying that we can change the atmosphere. You can change. Your life can change the atmosphere. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 13. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us. We all have a sphere, a territory that we influence. We're put in, in places that we can have influence. God has appointed for each one of us a sphere of influence. In the message it says it's called a territory. You have a territory that God has appointed for you. Do you really believe that? I believe that if we can accept that, then each one of us will start to have a purpose and direction to our lives. As we go back to work, maybe after the August holidays, with a passion and an energy, because we see what might seem mundane, tedious, and perhaps monotonous, this is our God-appointed territory, our sphere. Today, my prayer is that we realize by just living, just being in an area, we have purpose. You know, wherever you're living, even if you didn't pray 
to be living in that area. You know, our testimony is, is how we ended back up in Manchester after working in Congo. It was just the, seemed the right thing to do. We didn't actually, and it, this is bad now, and I wouldn't, we wouldn't do this anymore, but we didn't actually pray, but we ended up back in Manchester. But this is our territory, even if we didn't pray. You know, my sphere of influence goes through the walls of the house. Your sphere of influence will go through the walls of the house into your neighbor's houses. I believe it strongly that where you are, you are going to change the atmosphere. When I pray, when I worship in my house, I influence my street. When I don't watch certain programs on the TV or watch things on the the computer, I influence my street. Do you remember Obed Edom and there's a story Dave told um, when he was preaching and he had the, the Ark of the Covenant in his house for three months and the people of Israel had for various reasons felt like giving up but when the Ark was in his house everyone including King David saw that he was being blessed and they all wanted what he had. What you experience in your house can affect far more than you realize. And that's what I really want us to get this morning. And that others will see the blessing of God on your house, on your household. We don't read much of Obadidam. We don't read about him having big meetings. or. But he was someone who changed that nation's history. He was someone with a great influence. I believe that each one of us here this morning, we're called to be where we are, where we're living, where we're working, because it's our sphere of influence and we are going to change that place. We will have an effect just because we are there. And that's really, really important for us to get. You see, I believe as we see our sphere of influence through the eyes of our heart in the power of the spirit and we'll start to realize what others see too we will see our neighborhood our city our workplace change so my question to you this morning is what do you see and what do others see in you amen